It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. Right COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Crying 
the pain, oh yeah, this hurt I feel inside, words could never explain, I wish it would rain, oh yeah, let it Let it rain, oh yeah, let it rain. Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner and uh, we got a good one scheduled today. Uh, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with a debut novelist, uh, uh, who goes by the name of E.T. Gunnerson. He has a new book called Forgive Us. It is um, a post-apocalyptic thriller slash horror story. We'll talk with E.T. coming up later. On a lighter note, a uh, retired pediatric and family nurse practitioner, Sherry Rose, has come up with a book and a song to help preschoolers deal with um, COVID-19, um, how to learn a little bit about the pandemic, what it is and what to do about it, and uh, we're going to talk with her coming up in the second hour of our three-hour tour. Sherry Rose will join us. Um, I'm stalling a little bit because I had scheduled for this first hour uh, David Sobel, and I was really looking forward to talking about his new book, uh, which is called Primordial. It's been described as a Crichton-like thriller, and uh, it, it mixes history and mystery and, and science and investigation and all kinds of stuff. And David Sobel himself is, uh, I, I believe, a first-time novelist with this book, Primordial, but he was a corporate lawyer before becoming a board-certified practicing urologist. And um, anyway, we're going to find out. Well, I, I was hoping we'd get a chance to talk with him about, uh, about his new book, Primordial. Um, we weren't able to connect for this, uh, for this first hour. Um, I will try to set up another time for, uh, for David Sobel. But... Um, I do have in its place an opportunity to talk with uh, Cheryl Diamond about a uh, fascinating, fascinating story. Let me see if I can pull up my notes on it real quick. Like, um, oh boy. Yeah, it's uh, the, the name of her book is. Um, Let's see if I can find the title. Uh, Nowhere Girl, A Memoir of a Fugitive Childhood. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. She was born into a family who was on the run. And it's, um, they bounced around all over Europe on the run from uh, uh, Interpol and uh, she even managed to become a model for a uh, period of time. 
and uh, anyway it's it's a fascinating story and we have that coming up in uh, just a moment so welcome to live radio sometimes uh, you know it it goes differently than what you had originally planned like last friday when in the middle of the show literally the internet dropped and the whole studio went dead phone and everything and uh, we were able to get it back up for the uh, third hour and i was able to piece together um, a middle hour to play in the uh, in the replays um, anyway sorry if that was uh, a hassle or an inconvenience for uh, for anyone but um, let's go ahead and get into uh, this uh, this fascinating story from Cheryl Diamond um, right now <laughs> Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program, and my and my uh, guest this hour is the author of um, a memoir about uh, an interesting upbringing. It's called "Nowhere Girl: Memoir of a Fugitive Childhood" uh, by Cheryl Diamond, who joins me by phone. Hi, Cheryl. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um, Cheryl, this is an interesting story about growing up, and I'm not even sure where it begins. Um, Cheryl Dime, it's not unusual for writers to have a different name, but you've had many different <laughs> names. Um, do you even know or relate to your birth name? For sure. Actually, I think the more time that goes by, the more I relate to my original self. And uh, because I grew up on the run from Interpol, I was born into a family of fugitives. And they were already on the run before I was born. So for me, it was normal that we were uh, buying fake passports and burning the identities and leaving in the middle of the night and not being able to stay in touch with people. And after having had so many names, I think that actually I feel more and more close to who I was at the beginning and in Nowhere Girl I talk about how important it is to not forget who we were and how we believed when we were young before anyone tried to strip our faith away. Cheryl, when you were growing up, now your father was basically a con man. Um, Yes, a master criminal for sure. And he was wanted by Interpol. And now, was your mother an accomplice or (laughs) dragged along for the ride Mm -hmm. as you kids were? She was uh, was dragged along. She's uh, My mother has no dark side. She's a very sweet person. And often uh, men who are manipulative and controlling are attracted to very good-hearted women, and that's who we found in my mother, unfortunately for her. <laughs> did, did she suffer for that, or, or did... Terribly. I, I, I guess Terribly, I'm, I'm wondering, because it, you know, it sounds at times like the life was a little romantic. I wanted to... It was very important to me when writing this book that I 
represent that it not be a poor me story because of course I had a lot of trauma and struggle in my life but I wanted to write from a perspective of objectivity and to look at my family for the good as well as the bad and there was a lot of magic and adventure in our story and I, that was important for me to bring it to life on the page and especially the beginning of the book it's uh, it starts when I'm four years old and it goes until I'm 30 and when I was four, it all seemed like this amazing adventure, and uh, we were always trying to stay one step ahead. And um, as I, it wasn't until I started to grow that I realized how much danger we were in from the people who were chasing us. And then, of course, by the time I was a teenager, I realized that the most dangerous people of all weren't the ones hunting us. <laughs> it was my own family. Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute. When you talk about danger, are you talking about physical harm being killed by pursuers or apprehension? I'm talking about apprehension. The physical harm was the danger within my own family. And and yet you were traveling around Europe. Did you speak multiple languages? Did your parents speak multiple languages? My mother is fluent in six languages. She really has a talent for it, and that definitely helped my father in his escape. Uh, I speak three. Um, I definitely don't have that same miraculous talent <laughs> as my mother, but, but a little bit, perhaps. Like I, I enjoy languages and learning because it's the way you can connect with people. And I think, especially if you're going to live in a place for longer, it's a very good idea to be able to speak to the locals and to truly integrate and learn about the culture. So I, for that reason, I love languages. I don't have the exact same talent, but I, I work very hard so that I can connect with people and communicate. Now, this is not your first book. Um, your first book was a memoir about being a teen model do yes. I remember that right it focused exactly um, I've written three books the first one I wrote as a teenager and it was published by Simon and Schuster when I was 21 and that focused on my three years in the modeling industry in New York and what it's really like um, a no frills look at an industry that most people think is very glamorous my second book uh, is Naked Rome, and that's um, a look at the 30 most interesting people in Rome and their hidden stories. And now, of course, Nowhere Girl. More about growing up on the run with the author of Nowhere Girl, a memoir of a fugitive childhood, Cheryl Diamond, straight ahead. <music> Tom Sumner, Program.com The Tom Sumner, Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh yeah Hello out there everybody, it's me Tigger, T-I-Double-G-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Bodie. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about growing up on the run with the author of Nowhere Girl, a memoir of a fugitive childhood, Cheryl Diamond, straight ahead. I'm a little puzzled about being on the run and at the same time being a fashion model. How do you pull that off without tipping the authorities to how to get to your family? Well, that's a lot why the book is called Nowhere Girl, because I was born a ghost, and I was not registered. My parents registered my birth under their fake identities. So as I grew, I realized that I was actually illegal in every country of the world. (laughs) And it took a six-year court battle that went all the way to the Supreme Court of Luxembourg, and they had to actually rewrite Luxembourg law because there has never been a case like mine. There was no precedent. And um, so me being visible as a model was actually not such a big risk because no one ever knew I existed. No one ever knew that my parents had had a child. If, if no one would recognize you as having any connection to your exactly. father. Exactly. And he needed the money. Uh, he had lost all the money that he had stolen by the time I was 14. And that's the reason I started modeling was um, to support them. Where were your parents born? My mother was born in Luxembourg. She's half Luxembourgish, half Italian. And my father is Canadian, although he's Russian-Scottish ancestry. And how did you... How were you able to travel from country to country? You talk about traveling all over Europe with Interpol on your trail. You modeled in New York. Um, how how was that even possible? Well, that's where the fake identities come into play. That's why they spent so much money in order to be able to buy fake passports, because if you can burn your previous identity, you can walk right through a security check and no one will ever know, because it's a different country on your passports and different names. And they made very sure to never, ever be fingerprinted. Why? how do you do that? Back then, it wasn't obligatory. Oh, being fingerprinted wasn't something that... Yes. Um, Not for a passport at the time. From the countries that they got it from. Mostly Brazil. Now, when these identities changed, Cheryl, did everybody get a new name and a new passport and and have to rehearse their your backstories and stuff? Yes, exactly. And when my parents, because sometimes they had been fingerprinted, but they would always make sure to smudge the print slightly and to pay the forger extra to turn a blind eye to that. So when they were fingerprinted, it wasn't recorded correctly. And yes, um, from little on, my parents trained me in how to withstand an interrogation and how to never talk to border officials or police. Now, you said when you, your earliest memories in India at age four were really happy and fun and and sort of fantasy-like. Magical, actually. Yeah. Yes. Um, At what point in your life did you decide 
that you needed to get away from. It was, it was obvious there was love in your family. Um, but at what point did you decide, I've got to get away from this. I've got to establish myself on solid ground somewhere. It was a slow build. By the time I was a teenager, 13, um, there's a very tragic incident in the book, and I realized that I can't trust my family. But I was too little to be able to get away effectively because at 13, uh, and we had no friends, and I had no other family, so there was really nowhere for me to go. And I was 23 when I made the final decision that I had to escape because my father's violence was escalating and I knew I needed to get my mother out. And so we, we ran together and luckily we made it out. But there was still many challenges after that, as you'll see. I, I, w- I was going to say, Cheryl, it, it would seem like um, leaving would be even more dangerous than staying. It was. Did, you, did your father pursue you and your mother? He couldn't find us. I, I, I was raised by him, and so in the end, I also knew how to Use disappear. His, he used his own tricks against him? Yes, to get my mother safe, yes, absolutely. And I'm very, very happy and proud that I did because she was worth saving, for sure. What was it about your story that you thought readers um, might benefit from? I think that although my story is very unusual and extraordinary, there is a basic thing that we all face as humans, which is we have to decide who we are. It's a lot about identity. And after having had mine burned so often, it, uh, it did make me look very deep inside myself in order to figure out who am I, what do I stand for, and what am I not willing to be. And that's why when I was 23, I realized I couldn't keep on living that life of lies because it's not me and it's not something I would ever have chosen for myself. It was simply something that I was born into. And I think as people, we all face a time in our life when we have to choose between what's expected of us and what we know is right. And that was what I really wanted to share with people. Have you ever felt any, any guilt or responsibility for any of your father's crimes? For sure. It took me years to get over that feeling because if you grow up in an environment where the adults are completely irresponsible, one of the kids is always going to step forward and become the, take on the parent role. And in my family dynamic, that was me, even though I was the youngest, I, for some reason, took oh, that on. And um, Of how many yes, siblings? I'm the youngest of three. My half-brother and half-sister are 10 and 12 years older. So I was the youngest by a lot. But, um, but I did step into that role. And so, of course, even though it's illogical, I did feel a tremendous responsibility for everything that they did, even though I was tiny when it happened, which makes no sense. But uh, with time, I've been able to let go of it. Writing my book helped tremendously with that. Cheryl, it seems like growing up that way, you would have been in a bubble. You were educated pretty much at home, I get the impression. and Yes, completely. And, and so... 
there was complete control over what your experiences were and what you learned and, and what you were being taught. How did you even make a connection with the outside world? Was that through modeling and, and interacting with other people? No, not really, because modeling in and of itself is a very insular world. It's another yeah, bubble, true. and it's also a bubble in which people are often out to use each other and especially take advantage of young models. So no, that actually only reinforced my worldview as that the world was a large and scary place that I had to protect myself from. It was with, uh, with great difficulty that I went out and connected with the world. It was something I had to force myself to do because it was breaking my heart not to be part of it, but I was also so, so scared because I'd been brought up my whole life to never trust outsiders and to never talk to people. But but and that's what I'm makes very very fortunate. Mm-hmm. But but that's what makes me wonder what what attracted you to that scary place. What made you think I'd rather be away from this and in that? Because I wanted to be free, and I felt that even if it didn't work out and I didn't make it out okay, it's better to go down trying to be yourself and going toward that, going toward truth rather than staying your whole life in a situation that you know is wrong. I just had to try. When did you, when and how did you learn to speak English? English is my first language. Oh, really? Um, it was German and Italian that I picked up later, yes. Um, that... That seems, I I don't know, somehow that seems hard to believe because you weren't, did you spend a lot of time in England when you were bouncing around Europe? No, we spoke English because my father is Canadian and he only speaks English. He doesn't speak Uh, any other language. And so, of course, our language at home was always English. Okay, that's 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 what I was wondering because you don't speak English like it's one of a number of languages you speak. (laughs) <laughs> I guess was my point. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I English was my first language, and then I learned German when I was eight and Italian uh, in my 20s. This is going to seem like a really dumb question, but what language is spoken in Luxembourg? It's Luxembourgish, actually. They have their own dialect, which is a mix of Dutch, German, and French. Okay. And now you became a citizen of Luxembourg. You spend part of your time living in Luxembourg and part of your time living in Rome. You've even written, as you pointed out a little earlier, a book about Rome. What? Yes, make um, it Rome. What? Why the back and forth? Because my mother um, is mostly in Luxembourg, so I go often to visit her. And that's also where my uh, business is based. And so it makes, uh, it makes sense for me to do that. Rome is where I feel most at home, though. And, and so when you go to Luxembourg, do you then live with your mother, or do you have your own place in both places? I usually have my own place, yeah. Um, though I feel like my main base and my real 
also very close friend circle is in Rome. It's where it's where my heart is for sure. How did you and your mother survive financially when you first broke away from your father? We didn't really. We had almost nothing. My father had stolen the money from me that I made from my first book. Um, I had been paying for us, for our apartment, for everything from my modeling and my writing. And then he took all the cash um, that I had before we escaped. So we escaped with nothing. And I can't spoil it because for people who are going to read the book, but basically we had to go to our worst enemy for help. That was the only option. And um, I can't give too much away, but that's yeah, why we I, went to Luxembourg. Was also. Yeah, I'm not trying to brush in, brush up against any spoiler alert, Cheryl. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just curious about so much of this, which is one of the things that uh, makes me think that that a lot of people are going to enjoy this book, not only from a uh, from an entertainment standpoint because it's an incredible story, but also from a you know. Uh, finding yourself kind of story it's it's uh, a very different kind of story about deciding who am I exactly yes and that's what I wanted to say is that even if we never write a word we are all the, the authors of our story I believe that and I think that destiny is something that people often think is set in stone and oh this is the way my life has to be because look where I'm from, look what I was born into. And what I really wanted to say with Nowhere Girl was, that's not true. You can really rewrite your future. And you can also, as an adult, the good thing is you can choose your family. Now, you were born into a family that was on the run. But did you ever learn or, or come to understand how your dad ended up on the run? I, I, I mean, how he started? Oh, yes, of course. That's the central part of the book. Oh, okay. I, uh, yeah, and it's an incredible, fascinating story where they escape. He was thrown in jail in Panama, and then they have to escape across the Amazon in order to get free. And I've written it as uh, a central, the, the middle part of the book is a flashback in which I explain exactly how it came to be. Yeah. But did he have any kind of uh, job or or work before he started his, quote, life of crime and cons? He was actually um, a professor at a university in English literature because he had a Ph.D. in English literature and also studied philosophy which is a very ironic thing that he then went on to escape Interpol for over 30 years. Yeah. (laughs) Again, that's that's part of what makes this such a a fascinating story and an interesting story. Oh, it's not your traditional outlaw story, for sure. It's it's much more convoluted and and, uh, strange than that, for sure. The book is called Nowhere Girl, uh, a memoir of a fugitive childhood by my guest this hour, Cheryl Diamond. Um, Cheryl, again, um, was 
while you were on the run, and this is before you were able to chip in and help with money from modeling and all of that, was was your father able to make ends meet from his crimes and cons, or was he? Oh yes, as you'll <laughs> as you'll see in the book, he was. We at times lived a very wealthy kind of lifestyle. At times, we had nothing, but. Most of the time when I was little, before he lost everything, he, we were living in five-star hotels sometimes and traveling the world from India to South Africa to Australia and um, Israel, Germany, everywhere. And because he, before I was born, that's also part of the reason he was being chased. Only part of the reason, but he had stolen millions from his investors in order to get my mother away to freedom in order to be able to buy the fake passports. He had actually become a criminal. And and um, then the the crimes continued and, and went on. Were you were you and your siblings um, and your and your mother, I suppose, was the whole family brought into to uh, various cons and and compelled to pay, play roles in them other than, you know, fake IDs and crossing borders? Well, our whole life was a con, but um, <laughs> I didn't participate. Uh, see, that's the thing. There's no line anymore. Once you cross that line and you begin to lie about everything, even who you are, of course you're part of it because there was no way for us to escape. He held on to all our passports, even the fake ones. So we had nowhere to go and no one to ask for help. And so there's no possible way of being more involved than that. But you and your siblings weren't taught tricks of the trade, how to pickpocket or forge or... My father was never a pickpocket. He, he aimed for the millions. But we were taught how to forge documents and withstand interrogation. What was that like? I can't, I can't imagine being trained to withstand interrogation. Well, it was normal for me because I didn't know anything else. It was as I became an adult that I realized the scars that leave and how much work and courage it takes. I think the biggest war isn't the surviving. It's the learning to connect with the world thereafter and trust again. That, for me, of course, has been my biggest challenge opening my heart again after it was hurt so often. And, um, but it has been very worth it and, and very worth pushing myself into out into the world because I've been, I'll be forever grateful for the people I met and who I call my friends because they really, they saved my life and it's not an exaggeration. They really restored my faith in humanity. Well, I, 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 can't tell you how fascinating this this story is and and how unusual it is um any any uh <laughs> any thoughts about this movie uh or this book becoming a movie yes um, yes we've uh that's definitely already being talked about because it is also written in a cinematic way so we have had it's not. I can't talk about the the stage of the deal right now, but for sure that is something that uh, there's interest because it is a very cinematic and uh, movie-like story almost. 
So, well, the yeah. the story has an adventurous quality that lends itself to television, mm-hmm. to film or television, and and I, yes. I I couldn't help but wonder if that was a consideration. Um, yes, you're absolutely right in answer to your question. The um, and and the other question I'm curious about now that you've written three books, do you have the bug? Is there another book um, in the works from <laughs> Cheryl Diamond? Yes. Well, I right now I'm taking a little time to breathe because it took me 10 years to write Nowhere Girl. And as you can imagine, it was a tremendously emotional process because I was writing about something which was so close to my, I mean, it was in my heart, this story, and um, this is my family that I was writing about. So it was very taxing. Um, so now I'm enjoying this stage of being able to talk about my book and get the word out and then i will take a very deep breath and see if anything pops into my head well i um yeah i it would be tough to come up with as interesting and unique a story as your own oh i wouldn't even try i would i would uh i would never try to write something of that same exact vein as nowhere girl because it is completely unique and there i don't think there will ever be another story like that i hope not for the sake of the child involved but um but i do find life very fascinating on people so i think i will certainly be picking up my pen again in the future well cheryl it's um it's fun talking with you and this is obviously a, a fascinating story nowhere girl a memoir of a fugitive childhood by cheryl diamond is the uh, name of the book cheryl we're almost out of time but i always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you the book and and your work past present and future um do you have a website yes thank you for sure my website is cheryl diamond dot C-O, not com, just C-O. And uh, my name spelled C-H-E-R-Y-L, diamond.co. Or you can find me on Instagram, share diamond, C-H-E-R, diamond. Well, Cheryl, thanks so much and good luck with the work, with the uh, book and, and uh, all that you do. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Again, that was uh, Cheryl Diamond talking about her new book, which is uh, called Nowhere Girl, a memoir of a fugitive childhood. Um, This is fascinating. While her family lived on the run, she learned math on an abacus, trained as an Olympic hopeful, practiced Sikhism, and uh, she... um, became a successful fashion model. There are some other uh, mysterious things that happened during her childhood when she was growing up, basically on the run all over Europe from Interpol. But uh, we got to move on. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program coming up straight <laughs>
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Another five minute mystery. An anniversary party is going on at the Brown household around the corner. One of the guests, George Taylor, pauses while eating his dessert. Mmm, best lemon pie I've ever tasted, Mary. Oh, really? I wish my wife could do as well. Hey, it doesn't look as if Sam is appreciating it much, though. Goodness, dear, is my cooking that bad? Sam, your head is practically in your plate. I guess he's fallen asleep, everyone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Sam, Sam, sit up. Sam, it's dreadful. I'd better shake him. Sam, Sam! Great guns, he's dead. How do you do? I'm Sergeant Barker of the Homicide Division, and this is one of my boys, Mike Grady. Where's the body? In the dining room at the table. We didn't move him. Hmm. Might as well be comfortable, everybody. This will take just a little while. Hmm. Dead, all right. Peaceful, too. Who's Mrs. Sam Brown? I am. You mind telling me what happened? I guess not. I'm so shocked. I don't know where to begin or what to tell you. Well, you might as well begin by telling me what you served for dinner. Well, uh, we had soup first. Soup? What kind? Mushroom. And then roast chicken, green peas, mashed potatoes, and I served him coffee. But I don't see how this could mean anything. Just routine, Mrs. Brown. Did Mr. Brown eat everything? Yes, yes he did. He seemed to fall asleep over his coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I tried to wake him, I found he's had a heart attack. Yeah, that'll be all for a few minutes, Mrs. Brown. We want to take a look around. Uh, notice anything about this table, Mike? No, Chief. Can't say as I do. Neither do I. Let's look in this kitchen. An orderly person, isn't she? Stacked dishes after each course. Yes, and here's the silverware over here. Ah, look. Look, Chief. One of these soup spoons has turned black. Black? Let me see it. The only spoon that's tarnished, too. Well, I was beginning to think it was a heart attack or the perfect murder. But this silver soup spoon is evidence enough. Uh, Mrs. Brown? Yes, Sergeant Barker? I'm sorry to interrupt your little party, Mrs. Brown, but I'm sure your guests won't mind. Uh, I don't understand. You will, Mrs. Brown, you will. You see, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Do you know why Sergeant Barker accused Mrs. Brown of murder? In a moment, we'll hear the solution. And now, back to our story. Sergeant Barker, how do you know it was homicide? Well, Mrs. Brown took careful pains to wash the soup pans and soup dishes before she served the rest of the meal. Yeah, I can see that. But she forgot one thing, to wash the silver soup spoons. What she didn't realize was that an hour later, by the end of dinner, the spoon her husband had used to eat his toadstool soup would give her away. She didn't know that toadstools make silver turn black. Mrs. Brown almost committed the perfect murder. But she forgot to wash one spoon. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Sean Cantwell, Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. We hope you've enjoyed this mini-mystery. 
can go back to school I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see of quarantine will be the death of me the death of me I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy TV and a few things more but when I get there all I can find Honey buns and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, cause I'm sick of what I see. So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me The death of me You know, they say this is war But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Porkchop Hill And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid To parachute into Wuhan And find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. Tom Sumner. Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show oh, You pilots yeah. get off my lawn We're trying to do a radio show down here it's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>